All right, June. Um, we're talking about why we're here, why we're psychiatry residents, and why we chose this beautiful, terrible, wonderful, amazing field. Yeah, welcome back, uh, everybody. All the things. Yeah, and um, it would be interesting to hear your story. I know a little bit, but I definitely don't know the full story. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you know a little bit of my story as well, but you definitely, I, I definitely haven't shared the entirety of my story. Um, and it's... Uh, I'll say, you know, there's a little bit of like sadness involved. So, um, you know, I guess I'll, I guess we'll, we'll just get into it and, um, you know, we'll see where the conversation takes us. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I definitely have some tragedy in my story too, I would say, and what, why I'm so motivated to do this. And, um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think to start in the broadest terms, I'm very open about the fact that I have bipolar disorder and I'm going to say it in one sentence, like, that's why I'm here. Like, you know, it's as simple as that. Like, and I, the whole old stereotype of like <laughs> us, us psychiatrists going in this field to figure out our own shit. I'm like, yep, that literally kind of is me, but it's true in the sense. Like I always like, when I first got diagnosed, um, you know, thankfully I was very scared. Um, when I first had the manic episode, only because my uncle also had this condition and eventually committed suicide. Um, very, very sad. I was young at the time, but young enough to like understand at least the true impact it had on my family as a whole. And um, it was horrible. And it, that, it did motivate me, though, to take this very, very serious from the beginning. So I tried to learn as much as I could. And so... You know, after I got diagnosed with bipolar disorder, I had a manic, or well, I had a manic episode, was hospitalized inpatient, and, um, you know, my experience in the hospital at the time, I thought it was horrible, but now on this side of actually being a psych resident, I've realized like how fortunate I was, because I've really seen a lot of different sort of environments, some good and some bad, um, but through the journey of figuring out my bipolar disorder, I first got into this industry, industry in a sense, because I think of mental health as a big industry, as a speaker, a public speaker. Um, and I, I started speaking out after the Sandy Hook shootings that we talked about in a couple episodes ago. I don't even remember which yeah. one. Um, but I start, I, with Mental Health America, they had this program through Placer County, uh, California, where I went around to like hospitals and Sierra College and shared my bipolar disorder story. And um, I was like, man, this is such a cool industry. And I was like, I think this is growing. Like, you know, I think um, there's an opportunity in mental health. People seem to be talking about mental health way more. And like, you know, it's obviously not great. There's a lot of people suffering in this world with various mental health challenges. At that time in my life, I was working in uh, insurance and finance, and I didn't love it. Um, it was, you know, kind of one of those gigs, as soon as the clock hit five, I was running out the door. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know how I wanted to really work in this mental health industry. At first, actually, I thought I just wanted to do like a nonprofit. Um, I was actually organizing these people in Sacramento. We called it Blissify, um, and it was like an exercise group. And so I was like, kept having these, in a sense, like kind of hypomanic ideas about like could I create a nonprofit gym that was specifically for mental health patients and like I don't really know but figure it out like and like because I was getting so into working out to improve my mental health at that stage of my life and um 
I realized that starting a nonprofit in many ways is uh, dialing for dollars. The wheels on the bus don't turn unless you have money. And to get one something like that started, you have to kind of have like a donor or you have to get really good at grant writing. So just figuring out a way to get funding to get a nonprofit off the ground, you know. Um, and I realized I just didn't want to do that. What I liked the most of like leading these walks throughout Sacramento, I was living in Sacramento at the time and like little other various hikes and workouts, I was talking to patients and I was like, this is awesome. And I shouldn't say patients because they weren't my patients at that time. They were um, people just like me. You know, we all had mental illness issues. And it, I, for very long, I was like, should I be a therapist? Um, I actually thought about just um, becoming a nurse or a psychiatric nurse practitioner. Sure, should I just, you know, swing and go for medical school and try to be a psychiatrist? And I chose the medicine because I like, um, you know, medicine, I think, really had such a powerful impact on my management of bipolar disorder. And the more to, that I learn about it, that I think I'm doing well because I was willing to give medicine a real, true, honest try because bipolar disorder in my professional opinion is so serious that it it does need to be medicated chronically just because there's the potential severity of this illness right that like you know if people who have manic episodes can do some harmful things to themselves right you know it's really scary and I think medicine really really had a powerful impact on my life and I wanted to kind of understand more objective means of bipolar disorder but as I'm learning about bipolar disorder in this whole journey it made me want to learn about a bunch of other mental illness. And I was like, this is so fascinating, all the other various treatments, and I wanted to develop maybe blood, you know, genotyping or whatever, or imaging to try to diagnose mental illness in an objective means. And so that, I guess, in, in the shortest five-minute little rant is kind of what got me to this chair today. Um, and I'm very curious to kind of hear your journey, too and get into kind of the the real true reasons of why we, we embarked on this. Yeah, that was very impressive, Logan. I did not know that at a point of your life you were attempting to start a nonprofit. I didn't really attempt. Yeah, but you were looking into it? I mean, I guess. Okay. Let's say you attempted. That sounds cool. <laughs> so in my mind, you've attempted. Um, but yeah, we're glad that you uh, took the route of psychiatry because... Um, you know, certainly a lot of people out there can use, uh, you know, empathetic and understanding doctors such as yourself. Um, I do have some questions for you, by the way. I'd love to hear them. Yeah. First, I want to know, what is it like having a manic episode? I've always wanted to ask you that. Um, yeah, I mean, the kind of the scary thing is it's like parts of it were really fun. Um, like it almost people kept asking me who were around me were like, are you on coke? Are you on meth? And I wasn't. <laughs> Um, but I just like felt like I had just like this surge of energy and I was experiencing a blast. Like it was fun. Yeah. Hold on, hold on. But what, how were you acting that these people were asking you if you were on cocaine or meth? Um, so, uh, talking a million miles an hour kind of thing. Um, rapid speech, you know, flight of ideas is the professional word we mm -hmm. always say or the professional words we always say. But like, um, I was just really, you know, disorganized in a sense, but speaking really fast. But I remember in my personal experience, it made all sense to me and people were just couldn't understand like the thoughts that I was having. And I, cause I was like, I felt I'd also just got gone through a really stressful event in my life that kind of, I think like potentially 
created a perfect storm for psychosis. And there was also a lot of life changes around them. But like, you know, getting through the end of a relationship, changing and graduating um, from that school at that time and entering this new chapter of my life, I think just kind of created this perfect storm. And so I was like having all these ideas of like different, I had these like grandiose thought processes, right? That's the, the diagnostic criteria. Right. But like, I thought I would, could was coming up with these wonderful business ideas that were not even thought out at all. Mm-hmm. Um, they were like, ridiculous. But I was like harassing, and I, I use that word seriously, literally harassing um, friends, parents of mine, asking for them to invest in my company in the midst of this graduation from bachelor, my bachelor uh, school. Um, you know, looking back, it definitely was like embarrassing behavior, but in the heat of the moment, it was like actually fun to me. Like, and that's like the manic experience. Like, it's not logical. It doesn't make sense. But when you're experiencing that sensation of your mind is going a million miles an hour, I was, I kept like trying to describe it to people. Like, it felt like my mind was like a McLaren F1 and everyone else was driving a Toyota Camry, mm, you know, just like, and no one could keep up with me and I didn't care. Yeah, and like, and like, it wasn't, and I don't say that like no one can keep up with me. I feel like people say that with like drinking, like, and I was drinking throughout that period, but like, it didn't even slow me down. I just like, and I was spending kind of recklessly and it was only like a seven day period or something like that. Um, but you know, thankfully I did get professional help and, uh, you know, I think I took it serious. Like I was saying, because of the influence of my uncle, you know, and so I really am th- thankful it sounds weird in a way but i i think like you know through the experience that my family had to go through the pain the tremendous pain i do want there to be growth and i want it to be part of my experience and like if i do have babies you know it's likely chance that they could also carry this condition you know and so i kept thinking about i wanted to be an influence on this world that is good in a sense so you said it was good did it go from good to bad? Is that why you sought out treatment? Yes. What, how does that look like? What does it mean that it went bad? Oh, okay. This is okay. So I described bipolar disorder to patients, but this is, of course, through a, a, my own personal experience. So I think this is a cool, cool thing to talk about. I talk about mania as a surge of energy. That McLaren F1 that sometimes you're in control of, but sometimes just spins like crazy. And sometimes that McLaren can go into the world of anxiety, the world of paranoia, um, with the same rapid thought pattern, that same high revving engine of the McLaren. And I was remember thinking that like my ideas that I was having were so good that the CIA was like hacking into my phone and stealing them. Um, and then like following me and like stuff like that. Um, and I only had these thought processes when I was manic, you know, and that's kind of like some of the differences between like a bipolar disorder versus like a schizoaffective disorder versus schizophrenia, right? Um, and I'm, I'm just saying that, you know, to help the, the listeners kind of understand, but like they were definitely psychotic features. That's what I'm trying to say. Like that was in a way like delusional thought pattern, like a paranoia thought pot pattern. Um, to the extent, like, I remember taking the battery out of my phone kind of thing. Like, I was so worried that, like, people, the CIA was tracking me. This was 2011 when you could still do that with cell phones. <laughs> um, it was a, uh, so in many ways, then it kind of got like, um, even in, in, thankfully, in that moment, I had insight that I could, like, realize, like, it was scary. 
And that's why I, you know, with the help of family and friends, kind of realized like, okay, I, I would voluntarily committed to volunteer. I shouldn't say it, voluntarily went into the hospital, right? Because when we use the word commitment, it always gets weird. Yeah. I was not committed. Um, I chose to be there, um, and really thankful that I made that decision. So, what was that process like? Did your mom like kind of say like, hey? I'm gonna take you here. I think you should go. Or did you bring that up? No, I did not. Did not definitely bring that up. You know, I remember they were like, "You need to go talk to a psychiatrist." But, um, and this is many ways why I get so frustrated with the world of psychiatry, and I still think it's pretty crappy in this regard. Um, I didn't necessarily think I needed to go to the hospital, and in many ways, I still actually feel that way. But I knew that I needed like professional mental health care. But there's not really like you could either get on a waiting list to get and go see a psychiatrist in an outpatient setting, but that wait list might be one one week at best, right? Um, if you Generous. know, yeah, yeah. In reality, it's probably ugh, three weeks, yeah. six weeks. You know, you never. It's really hard to get in with a psychiatrist, or you go in an inpatient setting, and so. You know, I remember they presented that idea to me, and I still like was not about it. Um, thankfully, I had friends that actually talked to me during that experience, and really close uh, brothers. You know, I consider these guys, even though they're not by blood, they are. Um, you know, in my heart, you know, the influence they had on me. And then I also I refer to them as like the mental health Avengers. Like my my parents called this like I think it was like a crisis team or something. Actually, it probably was. Now that I understand the the system. They came to my house and they talked to me and they convinced me to go. And they probably in that regard could have, uh, you know, involuntarily committed me. I don't know. Mm. I really highly doubt that in that state of mind I was um, committable. But that was from my experience. Maybe they, they actually could have, you know, that, that, now that we understand, um, you know, commitments are supposed to be this like black and white kind of thing that's like this legal document, but there's always kind of gray. Like someone can get committed uh, to a psychiatric hospital I don't, of course, know the laws. This was in Connecticut at the time of Connecticut, but in the state of New Jersey, if they're a danger to themselves, others, uh, or property, um, but it's if they're also grossly unable to provide adequate care, medical care for self, you know, they can get committed to a hospital, and it's like that's that's up for interpretation, you know, to a judge a lot of the times too. Mm-hmm. Um, it's complicated, man. But that's how I ended up in a jumble. I didn't say that in the most <laughs> organized way. I'm not manic right now. I promise. <laughs> did you ever, at that, at that, at any point during those episodes, were you ever? Um, did you ever feel like you were a danger to yourself? No. No. You. So you were just feeling good. But then also scared at that. Also one point. scared. You know. Um, okay. Um, uh, you know, like those paranoid thoughts I was telling you about. Yeah. So that CIA. Um, you know, that them like looking through your phone, like that felt real. Uh-huh. Like no insight, no insight to that. And you're like, ah, oh, maybe there's a possibility that this is just like in my head. None of that. It's just uh-huh. like, this is happening. And like, I need to, I need to avoid this from happening. I mean, I think the answer is kind of both, both. you know, and I, th- I, I, I don't really know though. It's hard to even like think back, you know, this was also 11 years ago. What did it actually feel like in that present moment? And it's actually, um, you know, in many ways, actually, in a manic episode, it's they think it's harder for um, the hippocampus to function and to form memories. Like, people do kind of have a harder time yeah. um, remembering some. And actually, I think partially, though, that could even be, just be related to sleep deprivation, right? Like, I didn't right. really sleep for four or five days in a row. Or six. Like, I can't even remember the exact amount of days. What do you do when you're not sleeping? Um, 
I, actually, funny enough, one of our previous episodes was on video games. Ah. Um, I remember part of my reckless spending was like impulsively buying a like bunch of video games and like a whole new console and this whole all of the things like it amazing. was amazing. Yeah. 2011. What console was that? I don't even. It's got to be like a bro. GameCube or something back in the days. <laughs> I think it was maybe a PS3. PS3. Um, and there was other impulsive uh, spending too. Yeah. Um, but I remember staying up all night. There was one night I remember I like journaled all night and I never journal like you know these odd things yeah very odd behavior um yeah man yeah thanks for sharing all that logan um it's always interesting to hear it coming from a friend Uh because we hear it all the time from patients yeah but i feel like to a certain degree unless they're actively psychotic and you're there in the moment um but if they're telling you about their past episodes Mm -hmm. it's always coming through a filter um, you know, knowing that you're you're their psychiatrist, so it's it's always interesting to hear it. You know, unfiltered, um, mm-hmm. unedited from just coming from a friend. So, thank you again for sharing that, Logan. Yeah, you know, and I think it's it's healthy to share these experiences, just because I just like to think of statistics. Four um, percent of the population they estimate have bipolar disorder. One percent of the population have schizophrenia. So there's, you know let's just say five-ish percent, um, experience really wild, potentially psychotic features, right, that we always say in psychiatry. But what that in reality means is stimulus that you're not sure are actually in reality. Um, And, you know, uh, dealing with elements of psychosis, as we say, is really painful, and it's, it's suffering. And I did identify, of course, um, some elements of like the manic episode that were fun. Um, they really were like, it was almost like I was on a party drug that I didn't take, you know, and, and it was, it was wild. And, um, but some of it is really suffering and that that's important to understand for everyone too. But I think oftentimes, you know, our biggest enemy as psychiatrists is medication non-compliance. And I hope that, um, all practitioners, all people that work in this industry kind of understand where patients are coming from when they say, like, I don't like my meds. Like, in many ways, there's times I can definitely feel like I don't like my meds because I do miss parts of that, um, mostly hypomania, right? Like, where it's more controllable, and I do feel kind of a surge of energy, and I think with that sometimes comes creativity and um, ability to just embark on potentially new tasks, but it's not always sustainable. And so finding that kind of uh, wave that pattern in your life being it, it's really hard it's really challenging um, I'm interested to hear your story too sure we can get into that um, definitely not as nowhere near as uh, interesting as your story yeah um, but I'm gonna try I my doubt, best I, well I mean I think ever to I don't like that you know because each to each our own right it's it's still like my experience is my experience and even though like some of my most painful experiences was like on the inside of that hospital like you've still had your most painful experience yeah and like that doesn't like my experience doesn't take away from the pain that you experience mm-hmm. and i and like you know i i hate in a sense kind of comparing experiences because to each yeah. their own we're all like the worst moment of our life everyone knows what that that kind of feels like right. even if it's different situations it doesn't really matter like the worst moment of your life everyone can relate to that yeah i'm interested to see how you got here man yeah. Um, so when I was in college, um, had a friend. Um, she was uh, just somebody from my community back at home. Um, we were both from New York City. 
we were both attending SUNY Geneseo at the time, just a small mm-hmm. um, state school in upstate rural New York, pretty much. Okay. Um, so I didn't, we weren't like best of friends, but we were friendly with each other. She was a bio major as my, um, you know, and that's what I was doing. And she mm. was a year below me. So, you know, she would ask me questions every now and then. Um, but about two years after I graduated, um, she actually ended up taking her life. Hmm. Um, and that was, it was such a shock to me. Um, it was like the classic example of, I remember like on Facebook, like a few days before she posted a picture of her new tattoo, you know, smiling, wow. looking all happy. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think it was that classic case of you never know what somebody's going through on the inside. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember that was just so shocking because... I just couldn't stop thinking, you know, because in college, I um, went through a pretty severe depression Mm -hmm. um, where I started to have like intermittent, like passive suicidal thoughts every now Mm. and then. In retrospect, I probably should have gotten some help. But at the time, I didn't even realize, you know, what kind of services were out there. Yeah. But um, there's there's a song, um, Ocean by... uh, or drive, yeah, drive by Frank Ocean. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and it goes like, I'm about to drive in the ocean. So basically, like, uh-huh. I'll just think about, you know, like, just driving my car off a yeah, bridge. That's scary. Um, yeah, so, like, having gone through that, I couldn't stop thinking, like, oh, my God, like, what, you know, how much must she have been suffering for her to take, you know, actions like that? Mm-hmm. Um, she was, yeah, and I, and I just remember, like, in the aftermath, there was, like, one short article published that she was essentially just found in a park, deceased. Mm. um so yeah i felt like it wasn't really recognized by the world and like you know i i I know suicides happen all the time and everybody that's involved you know perfectly always feels that way um Mm -hmm. but that just launched me into a journey of asking myself um how are issues of mental health being dealt with especially in the korean american community Mm. i think there's a I mean, there undoubtedly is a stigma against mental health, um, you know, worldwide in general. Um, yes, all, that is beginning to change. More people are talking about it. It's getting better on that front. And, you know, thank goodness that it is. Um, but I think especially in, in, in Korean societies, in Asian societies more in general, and probably in a lot of immigrant communities, um, we all, unfortunately, kind of share this attitude of um, dismissing psychiatric issues. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just began to wonder what if, like, she saw a psychiatrist? What if she was, like, placed in therapy? And who knows? Maybe she did. You know, she was involved in all that stuff. Mm. Um, but I know for many people, um, they're not really being offered those options by their parents. Um, and, you know, at the time, I just recently, I was, like, 20, in my very early 20s. So mm-hmm. a lot of us were still um, living with our parents trying to get on our feet um yeah new york city the cost of rent is too high to be living alone at that yeah. age um but anyway i ended up uh getting involved in a support group mm-hmm. um and that was a very big experience for me i loved seeing how when you were vulnerable and shared your story <laughs> it kind of empowered other people. It gave Mm -hmm. them the courage to share their story as well. Mm -hmm. And in sharing that common, you know, that common trauma or, you know, unfortunate events, um, people were just able to heal from each other's stories um, and just build resiliency. And, um, you know, that was 
such an impactful, you know, thing for me to see and be a part of. Um, I eventually became a support group leader for that uh, for that organization. It was a nonprofit that I'm still involved with till this day. Oh wow! Um, it's called Esther Hoff Foundation. For anybody that wants to check it out, they do a lot of great work in the Korean American society. Um, Esther, just the way you spell Esther, E S T H E R Ha H A Foundation. It was actually started in memory of Esther Ha, who um, unfortunately also took her own life mm. at the age of 23. She was the daughter of a pretty prominent business figure in the Korean American society. Oh, okay. um, and uh, yeah, he, um, you know, the father just went out with a pledge that says that, and he said, no father is ever going to experience the pain of losing their child to suicide and started this amazing organization wow. that's had a lot of impact in the Korean, Korean American community. Um, so yeah, I ended up becoming a support group leader for that, for that organization. I did it for a few years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt like it was just such a privilege that I was asking people to share stories that Sometimes they couldn't, they haven't even told their best friends that they didn't even tell their parents that they've been holding in for decades and they were willing to share that with me because I asked. And that was such a privilege. It was so impactful for me. Um, I wanted to, you know, further explore that as a potential career. And like yourself, I kind of thought about, hey, maybe I should go into like, you know, be a mental health counselor. Maybe I should go like, you know, go into nursing, become a nurse practitioner, maybe a PA. Um, but ultimately, because I saw the impact that, you know, this nonprofit was having in the community, um, I recognized that, you know, speaking out and, you know, that that leadership is also another way that you can help a lot of people. And for me, you know, when I think about what it means to be a doctor, you know, a big part of it is being the leader of the team, being a leader mm-hmm. in the community, being an advocate for your patients. So I, I wanted to utilize all that in the way I impact the patients in the future. So, you know, I, I decided to pursue it. Um, it was not the easiest path for me. I uh, was not the best student in college. It took me about four years to kind of, you know, get my stuff together, build up my resume and have a shot. And, um, you know, I, I feel like I'm very, very lucky to be here. Like I, I blew a bunch of interviews. Yeah. I actually got one acceptance on my very, very, very last interview. Um, and going in, I knew that was my last shot and I prepared like my life depended on it. This was for medical school, you're saying? For med school. Yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, so no matter how challenging things get, you know, in residency, you know, no matter how challenging they got in med school, I always kind of think back, you know, like I could easily not have been yeah. given this incredible opportunity. Um, and, you know, I'm, very humbled to be in this position it is an incredible privilege to be able to you know take care of patients you know the way that we we do Mm -hmm. um because i mean it's a very invasive specialty we ask we ask questions that you know that would make people trip up Mm -hmm. you know if it wasn't asked in that setting so you know just so thankful um but yeah it it all started because of um stella that was her name um yeah yeah she yeah, took her own life, and um, you know, I I still remember her very vividly, and um, you know, she's not here to know it, um, but whatever impact I have in this world, in this field of psychiatry, whatever impact I'm able to have on my patients in the future, I mean, she's always going to have a large part in that. Yeah, that's awesome, man, and yeah, I feel very similarly to the the pain um, from my uncle, you know, and and at least trying to grow through pain you know i think is such a good way to look at it you know what what i guess 
I, I hope sharing our stories tonight, like, kind of inspired the net, some someone to maybe consider the path of that we're on, right, of being a psychiatrist. Um, and it's a long path. It's a grueling path. We're both second-year residents, you know, so we're not um, getting paid what we hope we were, right? We're grinding. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's it's a tough journey. But um, I do feel very similar to, like, I'm in such a fortunate position that um, I get to help people in their worst moments. Um, and the future is, you know, bright, I think, for us, of course, and in, in our own experience, but also our patients. Like, I feel like the world is kind of thinking of mental health in a different regard. And, and there are different treatments that seem to be kind of developing now. And the world seems more open to different uh, treatment strategies. And acknowledging that, you know, there's such an issue here with addiction, with uh, homelessness, with suicide, all these different things that we've touched on tonight on the show. But I think, you know, one thing that we have to finish and talking about, it's like, you know, we are super, super lucky to be in this um position as psychiatry residents because there's not nearly enough psychiatry resident positions. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. Um, We need more psychiatrists and there's such a high demand and such a little supply, but like there's, there's people who wanted to be psychiatrists who were medical applicants just like us that I'm sure were qualified and sure would have been good psychiatrists. And they unfortunately have to do a different career path right now. Um, And maybe they can eventually find their way back into psychiatry. And I hope they do, you know, because I still stand true that we need a lot more psychiatrists. And I hope that part of our career paths influence um, the communities around us to grow psychiatry residency communities mm-hmm. or programs, yeah. too. Excuse me, is what I want to say. Yeah, um, I definitely um, echo your sentiment there. Um, you know, I think things are looking promising for the future. Hopefully, you know, those wishes do come to fruition. And um, I think, you know, we can just wrap this up on that positive note. Yeah, I think we're going to have to remember this, you know, 10 years from now when we're going to just be wanting to see patients making, you know, money, of course, and helping people at the end of the day. But realizing that, you know, having an influence on the psychiatry profession as a whole and helping it grow is actually going to have the biggest influence of it all, right? You know, like me and you can only see... I don't know, 10,000 patients in our career? How, I don't know what's the number, whatever. Yeah. But imagine if we influence and, and start 10 to 20 more psychiatry residency positions. That's that many more psychiatrists that can help that many more uh, patients moving forward. My buddy just sent me this article that I actually haven't even read all the way through. But um, in, Af- in America, there's about one psychiatrist for every 125 people. Um, in Africa, there were certain countries that it was like one psychiatrist per one million people. It was like crazy. It was just so in, in really sad. And so I think, you know, we, we need to share. We've been through all this tremendous training and we need to really use it to outside of even just we live in America. You touched on the Korean society tonight, but like I think all of the different um sides of the world that you know because their mental illness is just so pervasive in all different communities and it's so normalized and yeah i'll stop rambling yeah and with the modernization that we're going through um it's probably going to be more and more of an issue and um we can end by saying that that the world needs more doctors like you logan and you my friend thank you for what you do dr noon all right thank you too dr tune
Thank you so much for tuning in. If you are enjoying this podcast, I'd really like you to check out the other podcast that I created before this. This one's called Talk Mental Health with Logan Noon. I created this when I was still in medical school and also still starting uh, residency. So if you enjoyed this show, guaranteed you're going to like that show as well. Thank you.